Welcome back to the one and only Dog Pod. It's week 13 in the Pac-12. Just BD, PT and Law Dog here, guys. This episode titled, What in the Actual F? I mean, it's a question I've been scratching my head for a few days, BT. I cannot figure it out. It's, it, it is a tough one, man. Look, we have to cover it. we got to cover the Huskies 20-14 to 14 loss as a 14-point favorite to Colorado. And then we look forward to the Apple Cup, of course, man. Live here from Lunchbox Laboratory. Law Dog, you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do it, man. Listen, I cannot stand the play-by-play. I, I don't want to go through what happened to us uh, down there in Boulder. Give me the statistical lowlights of this performance, and I use that term performance very loosely. Well, you know, I think what really stood out to me in this game was against the Buffaloes was just all the pressure that they were putting on the offensive line of Washington. They came into this game with just four sacks on the season. Washington had given up just 13 sacks on the season. And here they get five sacks on Jacob Eason and just had him running for his life. Now, in the end, you know, a lot of criticisms falling on Eason. He ended up going 21 for 34 in this game. Not crazy, but just they could not get down the field at all. They couldn't get anything going, couldn't get in a rhythm. And BT, I mean, out of nowhere, this team just forgot how to run the ball. Just 32 yards rushing on 32 carries. And I just look at this and go, this is not even as bad as the offense has looked at times this season, this was kind of the worst of it, right? This is the trough, a donut hole in the first half. This was a donut hole. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say is we're getting into it and the zero points in the first half and just coming out. And, yeah, they put together a couple drives in the second half, but it was just too little too late. Um, An old bugaboo coming back. Then we got a bunch of these, right? Six of 17 on third down. They end up getting a couple fourth downs, including that fourth and eight kind of late in the game when they really needed a play there. Um, and Easton making a great play on that fourth down. But, um, yeah, on third downs, just 6-17, to 17, that's been a problem just all season long. And then, you know, you have the interception. You're not, you didn't get any takeaways in this game. It's just everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, and the Buffaloes were fired up and ready to take advantage. And, hey, give our guys at the Free Ball and Podcast credit. They said before the season about their team, I can't tell you what games we're going to win. I can just tell you we're going to win some games. Apparently this was one of them. And this is one of them. Yeah. I never saw it coming. Yeah, the the Mel Tucker hype train has officially left the station in in Boulder. Um, I think they said it best, man. Brutal, guys. Um, Should I get into our defense? Yeah. Okay. So we gave up 430 yards to get started with. And I think same issues that we've seen in all of our losses, which is the complete inability to stop a standard off-tackle run at the line of scrimmage when we need it most. So, look, fine to give up big yards to Zach Moss. I get that. Like, that's okay. But we're making Cameron Scarlett. Let's go back. 151 yards and a touchdown. Alex Fontenot, 105 yards and a touchdown. Brown and Dancy from Cal, 150 yards and two touchdowns. We're making these guys look incredible. And it's in situational times when we need to get off the field. Every time, fourth quarter, we need the ball back. We punt. And we can't stop it. Right? Yeah, Simple off tackle. All the guys you just mentioned had monster fourth quarters against us. In yes. Those three losses. Yes. And that is what hurts the most because this used to be a fourth quarter team. It was. And every time when you're, look, eight, six minutes, don't worry, punt it away, we're going to get the ball back. And we don't. And that's the thing that just killed us again. I look at this like Taimani, Potawai, Bronson, Thule, Levi. They're just simply, they were getting pushed around and out schemed when it's time to stop the run. Like way too big of gaps. It's not even like, 
missed tackles at that first level. They're running through huge gaps. Um, like I guess Edouan is the, still a bright spot, but you look between him, Ryan Bowman, and Joe Tryon, they aren't filling the gaps or pressuring the quarterback outside of the pocket when they actually needed it, right? The secondary struggled. Yep. Like Trent, I think he had a really tough assignment going against LaVisca, but LaVisca got the better of him. 100 yards and a touchdown. Well, that touchdown play Let's was... Let's talk about that. Yeah, that. That hinged on one tough play that could have turned the game was, around. That could have been the game. Could have been the game. So it looks like it's going to be a pick, and LaVisca, too good, too strong, just out physicals him. I mean, spots yep. on the ball, amazing. Instead Look, of touchdown I mean, for Colorado. It's a tough assignment for any It's a tough assignment DB, for anyone. It but, is. But, I mean, you also look and go, man, that was, you know, big-time players make big-time plays, and that was a moment where he could have really turned things around. Oh, it would have been incredible, right? Like, again, I'll say this. I do not believe you can put these five losses on our defense. Think about this. Cal, Stanford, and CU. Three non-bull-bound teams. Actually, Cal's going to go to a bull. So, um, you know, six winner fewer uh, teams. Their offense has put up, think about it, 19. Thir- our offense has put up 19, 13, and 14. What do you want? Yeah. What do you want from the defense, man? If, like, if you're only able to put up 14, you're putting the defense, it's putting too much pressure on, on this I, defense. I, I don't think you can put any of this loss. I mean, not you cannot put the majority of this loss on the defense. I think you come out with a bagel in the first half and you're crawling out from underneath. I mean, your offense needs to go out and score four touchdowns in the second half. That's right. what you've done to yourself. Right. So the fact that they kind of couldn't get things going even after a halftime of adjustments, it just, I mean, it, this one is on the offense, and that's been the problem all season. That's been the common thread. And we're just not built for it. So, again, like, this is my comment, I will say. In 2019, uh, these were these big surprising losses. How could this happen at Stanford? Oh, my goodness, how did it happen? I'm only surprised by, think about this, who was that team that held USC to 14? Held the beeves to seven. Put up 31 and 28 on Oregon and Utah. And under 100 yards of offense in that game against Oregon State just a week ago. And Unreal. we thought that was going to be a turning point for the defense. On a road game, yeah, right? On the road. Look, so ultimately, I'll say this. I think looking back on the season now, and look, we have another game. The USC win may ultimately be more surprising than any of these losses that we we're actually able to put up that, that performance against USC. So look, I mean, it, a real tough one. I can't put this on the D, but the D has some things they've got to get figured out before the next game. Anything else you want to say about this, well, the performance I, or the state of the program at this point? I say you come back to that USC game, and, you know, Keaton Slovis was a apple in Clay Helton's eye during that At that, that point, game. yeah. Not we, they had a lot of quarterback drama. We just figured, oh, hey, whoever's going to be plugged in is going to be a great, you know, five-star quarterback, and they'll be fine. And they were coming off that uh, game against Utah. That's I, right. No, they were coming off the loss against BYU. BYU. And everyone was scratching their head. But um, – I look back at that and go, you know, SC has really gotten their act together since then. They sure have. And so I, I wonder if we played them on a neutral field today, what that game would look like. And it's it's sad, you know, because that was a big win, probably the biggest win of the season. And, uh, and you know, just looking at some of these losses this year, this team has just been so up and down. You don't know what you're getting, right? You get a great win against SC. You have a blowout win on the road against BYU, against Arizona. I mean, it's hard to blow teams out on the road, score 45, 50 points. So what is happening where they're so dominant in games like that and then they just can't figure it out on a simple conference road game against Colorado or Stanford? Uh, it's just, you know, the, it's maddening how up and down it's been this season. I think that's been the biggest disappointment. Infuriating. It's been tough. And, I mean, the last comment I'll make is that it's difficult. You don't want to get down on your own team and be those naysayers that are calling for coaching changes and are, are, are nuts in my opinion. But I will say this. Like, you think you're frustrated. Pete's frustrated. 
The team's frustrated. They're pissed off. They're questioning just like we are. We're all in the same boat at this point because we're better than this. Yeah, and, we, and you know, Peterson, look, I, I, I've been pretty critical of the offensive coaching staff, and, and, and not Peterson specifically, yep. but just just in terms of they've, been, they've made a lot of changes, they've had a lot of different personnel, and yet we still see these same issues cropping up, right? Canning, not being able to get off the field on third down, um, not being explosive on the offense. And I do think that he's going to take a hard look and make some changes this offseason. I, I think that there's, there's really nowhere left to point the finger at this point. But um, I will say that, you know, these guys said they were going to do that after the Ohio State that's Rose right. Bowl. Last year, it was and all that's off-season talk. You know, yeah, exactly. We're going to have a you know Jacob Bisa coming in here, and we're going to you know look at this offense. Well, now you're back there and for the second year in a row. So I'm hoping that that's enough of a wake-up call that, hey, we cannot do business as usual. There's got to be changes. Yeah, and then, like, at the coaching clinic that I went to this year and, like, went to the session with Bush Hammond, like, we're getting back to basics. We're just going to get back to basics, you know, put the ball in the circumference that a receiver can make a play. You know, that's things that I just didn't see this year. But tough loss. Can we move past it? Should we flush it? Yeah. All right, flush this Time thing, man. All right. Next man up, next game up, Apple Cup, ladies and gentlemen, 1 p.m. on Fox. The Dogs, the seven-point favorite over under 63.5, early money split, 48-51, a tad more on the Cougs. Before we get into this game, Professor Law Dog, anything you want to talk about that Apple Cup history, past and present in the big one? Well, so, BT, I mean, the last six in a row, right, we all know how that's been going, and, and here's Washington going for number seven. But, you know, you look back at this, the last time the Cougs actually won this game by more than one score was 1994. Oh, it's been a little bit. So, I mean, you know, they and you know that they are looking at the schedule right now. They're looking at this game. They're thinking about the quotes after last year's game and after all these recent matchups. None of these Cougars have ever beat Washington. They are coming in. They're going, this is the year. This team is 6-5. and five. They're licking their wounds. This is the year. So you know that you're going to get everything you got. It's it's the Super Bowl for the Cougs every year. So you know that this is going to – you're going to get their best shot this week. Now, that said, you know, Jimmy Lake has been able to dial up the, the anecdote for the Wazoo offense – and just look at these last six years, BT, 17 points, 13 points, 10 points, 17, 14, 15. They have not scored more than 17 points in this game. Unreal. Um, in, in any of those losses, including the last five with Peterson and Jimmy Lake and Kwiatkowski at the helm. So this is, uh, it's been very one-sided. But Washington has been able to figure it out. Now, the question is, they've been coming in with the best comp- the, the best defense in the conference each of these last four seasons, five seasons. Can they dial it up again with a very rebuilding unit that has shown some struggles this season? I think that's what we're looking for. That's kind of my key to the game there. Okay. Well, you want me to get into that UWD against yeah, the Air Raid yeah, and come back to it? there. Let me get into that. So let's talk a little bit about this Air Raid that we're going to be facing again. I think, first of all, Anthony Gordon. Number one in D1 football from total passing yards, 4,920 yards passing and 45 touchdowns. It's not even close. Not even close. Number two um, I mean, number two is another 900 yards south of that. He has two 900-yard receivers. Unreal. 546 yards passing, 76 yards rushing per game. So, look, they're going to throw the ball around. They're averaging 41 and a half. It's pretty interesting. UW is actually statistically pretty solid against the pass. Um, second in the conference behind Utah. We only give up 19 completions a game. And our touchdown to pick ratio, 12 TDs to 9. Yeah. That's great. By the way, I, this one I could not believe when I'm looking at the statistic. Bottom, UCLA, 31 TDs, 4 picks. 
Like, w- they are wide open. That secondary is wide open. That surprised me, though. Well, they, they put up 60-something on uh, That's right. UCLA. That's right. Yeah. So this surprised me. Let, now, look, at, let's talk about this. Air Raid Basics. So shotgun formation, four wide receivers, and a back. Like, that, bas- that back Borgie this year, most likely he's either pass blocking or he's catching out of the backfield. Usually two slots and two split out wide. Sometimes you'll see the load-up trips on one side or the other. It sounds kind of basic, but look at the end of the deal. Like, end of the day, Anthony Gordon, it's predicated on his ability to call play based on what he sees. Like, confusing Gordon, in my opinion, is always paramount, right? Dropping a man back, maybe someone who has a hand in the dirt and they drop back in coverage, but you've got to change schemes, get him off his game. Because if he can look down the field, even with his just two slots and two wides, and figure out, oh, this is, this is what they're showing, this is it's one deep, two deep, whatever, he's going to pick us apart. Um, in the end of the day, it's kind of interesting. Like air raids, all about spacing and timing. They have to work as a unit, execute routes versus reacting instinctively, which other teams try to do. They're just going to outperform you with a single receiver. Like if you think of like the Z receiver in the slot, they always they have these things that they do in air raid. They're always outside releasing. It's going to be kind of counterintuitive based on like you normally would think about what side is the DB placing leverage on you and make your decision. But like he's basically this whole thing is about allowing spacing and keeping the eye, the defender's eyes downfield to just allow for other space. As much as possible. Spread at eight. Know your assignments. Move down. Like you have to be really disciplined. So from a defense perspective like you think about we got to get sacks and get pressures i talk about this every year it's not about blitzing too many sacks only come from good coverage like not from bum rush and hand swim techniques and you know like swim techniques and whatever like you've got to get out think about in the end of the day he'll get it out really fast if you leave any anyone open and your blitz too many he's just going to pop it out of the top so quickly that you can't get back there anyway d keep everything in front of you no big catch and runs even if they make a completion downfield, very quick tackle. No big catch and runs. And, like, think about our personnel. Cam Williams, Miles Bryant, Keith Taylor, Trent McDuffie, Elijah Molden, Asa Turner. You got your, you, like, you've got a, you're going to get about get a big helping of Desmond Patton, Aesop Winston, Tay Martin, Brandon, or Conato. Like, they've got four great, great receivers that we're going to see. Our, look in the middle. Kyler Manu, Brandon Wellington, Jack, Jackson Sermon. They have two things they have to do. Like, cover all that short shit that's the, going to come their way and contain Max Borgie. Like, who's already has lots to say about how much he's going to score on I us. I know. That Bowman, Tryon, Levi, Tooley, Josiah, Benning, all these guys. Just a little bit of pressure. Bats and passes down. Make them uncomfortable. And I think even though, look, this is not the defense that we've had over the past four or five years, we should be good enough to slow him down and get it done. Yeah, and I think Tryon is a guy who has come, come into his own a little bit in the latter half of the season here. Um, I think he's a guy you're going to be looking to to get that pressure. Um, and I think... A guy like Levi Onwuzurike, who's been probably your best uh, interior defensive lineman all season, he's going out. This is senior day for him. Essentially, uh, we think he's probably going make to make it happen. Draft. He's never lost the Cougs. He doesn't. He doesn't want to be that guy. I think this defensive line is going to be motivated. They want to. They want to get after the quarterback in those wide splits. Those wide splits for Mike Leach. We've always been able in these Apple Cups to exploit that. Um, the, you know, the question is: Is Leach going to make any adjustments? And, you know, so far he's never shown any signs of really being able to That's do right. that. But um, he's a little stubborn, kind of like, uh, like a lot of football coaches are. No comment. That's right. Yep, that's right. That's right. Yep. <laughs> so so I, I, do think, uh, I do think that the DBs, though, they're going to have their hands full and they have a lot to prove. This is not a veteran group. And the last three or four seasons we have had a veteran stable of DBs out there who have been able to shut down and cover um, the Cougar receivers. This group? It's a, it's a lot younger, so that's going to be a lot, bigger it's a, challenge. It's a, it, it's a lot younger. It's definitely the weakest or most experienced of the last four years. But again, 
number two in the Pac-12 against the pass. I do yeah, think that they can the step up. The talent is there. And, and you know, it, the breakdowns that we saw kind of at the beginning of the season, those have been minimized. We've kind of uh, fixed most of those mistakes. It's mostly just about can you cover when we're playing man. And we've had some breakdowns in man coverage because guys get beat. Now, that's a different thing than having schematic and communication breakdowns and stuff that we were seeing earlier in the season. So I do think that that's improved. Um, taking a look at the Cougar defense here, that, you know, they are a team that really relies, I think, a lot on their defensive to get pressure. And they have actually a lot of sacks on this unit. But they just have not been able to, to stop anyone when it comes to scoring. They're 95th in the country in scoring defense. And, you know, we look at that and say, we said if we can't get on track against Colorado, then when will we? Uh, you know, this is an opportunity, I think, for Washington to say, okay, we're going to put this finally beh- behind us and, and, um, and put some points on the board. They've got a big challenge on their hands, though, because they just have not been able to get out of their own way. Uh, I expect that we're going to turn back to the running game quite a bit. I expect Salvan Ahmed, he uh, needs 85 yards to get to 1,000 this season. I expect that he's going to get a heavy dosage. We're going to see some McGrew. We're going to see some Richard Newton. I expect that we're going to try to run the ball, use that size advantage of that smaller defensive line of the Cougs. Right? They try to rely on kind of smaller, faster, but we're, we need the ground and pound, and that's what won the game last season. We've got this entire offensive line is back on the field. Um, and so they're really, I think, this is their opportunity to say, okay, we really are good, and we're not how we played against Colorado. So I, I think that's what I'm looking for on the offensive side of the ball. I'd love to see it. Look, we're going to have to put up some points because you know Wazoo is going to as well. I don't think this will be one of those hold them to 14. I, I hope I'm wrong, but right. they're going to have to put up some points. I would love to see this, even in a year like this, to be able to say, look, even on our the trough of the Peterson era and the last six years. I mean, you could probably say this is the most disappointing year that we've had in quite some time. Even then, Wazoo, we still got you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, and, and that's that's what they love to hang over our head, right? Even when they had their worst team, they beat our worst team. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we if you want the full history of the uh, the worst Apple Cups, you can back to our Apple Cup podcast from a couple of years ago where we break it all down. Go but, down through the Crapple Cups and others. Go, yeah. go through the archives. But, um, yeah, I think, I think that's right. Peterson, I think, has been very good about bringing former players back in and saying, hey, let's you know talk about what this, this yeah. rivalry means, talk about what the game means. And on the other side, I don't get the feeling that Mike Leach, he just says, oh, why is Washington a better team than the other team we played last week? He is trying to kind of give that one game at a time mantra to his team. Well, there's something about a rivalry game where emotion matters. And Mike Leach hasn't been able to tap into his team's emotion for this game, or maybe they don't have any anymore for this game. But I'll tell you, Washington does. And, you know, there's a lot to play for here. You want to finish with a winning season. You really want to go 6-6 six and six into a bowl game, be disappointed, and go lose that game and have a losing season, BT? I mean, the, the Huskies cannot let that happen. This is a huge, huge game. It's a short week and you're playing it at home. That's the most you can ask for. You heard Peterson kind of chirping after the game. Hey, I don't want to do any philosophical debates about this team right now. I just We got a six-day turnaround. That's right. So use it to your advantage. You're playing at home. You don't have to travel like the Cougs do. Um, so let's you know focus in just one more time. Just summon it up. Summon up the energy. Summon up the emotion for one more game. Get that winning season, and let's just move on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, 
Should we move forward, guys? I think we look. I, I feel I hate to say it. Like every year with the Apple Cup, I'm always a little bit tentative. Last year was one of the first years I came back and said, "I think we got this one." Even though the Cougs had already bought all their flights to Santa Clara for right, the championship right. that we saw on the plane, felt good about it. This one, you know, look, I don't know if we're going to come in and blow out anybody. I just don't know if it's that team. But I think our team has the talent to win. We're the better team on paper. I think we're the better scheme. We're the better coach team. I don't know what the inner workings of that are happening in the locker room right now, but if they can pull it pull it together, have enough motivation, I think they get this win. Yeah, and I don't think this is a team that's played badly back to back very very often. You yeah. know, I, I think Washington's usually able to right the ship. And you look at Colorado; it was just breakdown after breakdown, problem after problem. The offensive line caves in on one play. You know, you have a drop on the next play. It's just like you can't get anything right. If you just straighten out the ship a little bit and you can you can get back on track, you don't see this team go into long skids very frequently. No. Um, and so I expect they will bounce back and give us their best on Here's the week, Husky Nation. Let's get that win. Let's get that Apple Cup win. And, and you know, head in as a seven-win team into whatever bowl game and, and be back for it. Should we get into the rest of the Pac-12? Let's do Let's it. Let's talk about the Pac-12 checkdown. It was a pretty crazy week. Um, part one of rivalry week, man. The battle for LA, it was USC 52, UCLA 35. Slovis breaking records like crazy. He went for 515 yards, man. Bruins secondary was wide open for business. What do you think, man? Yeah, I actually got to watch quite a bit of this game. And, uh, and I mean, the announcers basically knew about six words, and that was Keaton Slovis, Clay Helton, and Job. That's right, um, yeah. Geez. And they just talked about it the whole game. But, I mean, Slovis, I, I think, is a guy who's really – you look at what they're bringing back next year, and, and you know, BT hot off Scary. the presses. Bruce Feldman reporting this morning on theathletic.com that the USC leadership is leaning towards keeping Helton I know, yeah, yeah. for 2020. And, you know, you look, he's going to have Slovis back, and they're going to be loaded as usual. Now, the, the, the you know, we've had our issues with Helton, and I don't think their recruiting is it's being affected by all this vulture swirling mm-hmm. around about his job. Maybe with some certainty the recruiting will pick up. But I think for next year they've got to have a pretty, uh, pretty good-looking roster. They end up finishing 8-4. and four. Um, and, and I think this, t- the, you know, USC really got it together. As we kind of predicted last week's show, we said, hey, they're going to figure it out. They'll get they'll get it together for one more game, and I, I, that's what we saw. And hey, they're going to probably go to the Alamo Bowl as a result. Big win, and you know, look right now, the highest ranked four loss team for better or worse. They have that mantra. Um, next one, 122nd big game, man. Finally, 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 Cal wins, and they storm the field, 24 to 20 on a 16 yard Chase Garber scramble as he engineers a final drive. Very cool into this game. And I'm just glad that Stanford's going to be spending the holidays at home this year. Um, you know, they, they had a miserable season, except for the win against us, obviously. Um, and here you go with Cal, who's got a, a, who's been really, I think, plucky under Justin Wilcox. And their defense, really, even though Garbers, you know, they lost Garbers earlier in the season, their offense has struggled quite a bit. Their defense is hanging in, is hanging in there. And, um, you know, they, they deserve to get this one, and, and good for them. Two Pac-12 head coaches that we might miss in our coaching tree. There's one of them. Let's get into the next one. Yeah. In a burner, man. Wazoo 54, Oregon State 53. They make good on Max Borgie's promise to get that win, but it took a 58-yard touchdown drive with just a minute left to get it. Yeah, I did not get to see much of this one, but you got to think, man, that is a, that's a burn for Oregon State, who really had a good season. Um, they, they, they played Washington pretty tough. Um, they they, they could have jumped up and got us you know, a couple weeks ago, and here they go. taking Wazoo to the wire and they just can't quite get it done they're probably going to miss out on a ball that's too bad but here 
look at it this way, BT. The Cougs needing a win in the Apple Cup to make a bowl game, and we have a chance to deny them right here. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, you got you got to feel you got to feel that. So let's get into this thing. Utah next one. Utah thirty five to seven over Zona. Like whatever. I can't say much about this. Zach Moss puts up a season high two hundred three yards. Utah is the class of the conference. We're going to see him in the Pac twelve championship. I want to have him keep going. I want to see him all the way into the CFP. Utah looks great. Yeah, I do think they look great. I, I really, I guess we'll talk a little bit about their game coming up against Colorado. But, um, you know, they, they're playing as well as any team in the country, frankly. I mean, and what they've done is their defense is really veteran defense who's been around and they're talented and they play as tough as any defense in the country. But Tyler Huntley has really come along Going in this real. last season. Leading and he's, statistically. He's playing yeah. like senior quarterbacks in this conference have always played when they're leading their team to a conference championship. So now they have a chance. They're, they're knocking on the door. They're going to have that chance. The big one, the offseason Natty winner, will not play for the actual Natty. It's number six, Oregon, going down 28-31 to 31 against ASU. Jane Daniels goes for 400 yards and some gutsy play calls uh, to hold off the Ducks. Brandon Ayuk. An unsportsmanlike penalty for making the O sign in the end zone to the traveling fans. I gave him honorary Husky status for a day, man. What a game. Well, and, you know, you predicted this a while back. You just said, hey, the, the Oregon's been playing some close ones. Eventually, someone's going to jump up and get them. And you know what? You can't look past anybody in this conference, as the Huskies can tell you. I mean, uh, you know, and I think the Ducks you know, have been getting a little too big for their britches. We know that they're not that level of good. They're not top five good. We know because we took them to the wire in Husky Stadium with a six and five team. I mean, they're just, they're not what they what they were under Chip Kelly yet. And maybe they're getting there with their recruiting, but um, it's nice to see them get knocked down a peg and, and put, get put in their place a little bit. And, and Herbert is good, but he's no Marcus Mariota, fill in the blank. I mean, he's, he's just not there. Um, Let's get into final, uh, finally week two of Rivalry Week. Apple Cup's Friday. Everybody else rolls on Saturday except for USC on that horrible week 13 bye. It's so stupid. Yeah, just I mean, annoying. The scheduling, we'll do a whole pod on the scheduling, but it's just been abysmal this season. I mean. Brutal. 1 p.m. It's the 123rd Civil War. Ducks with an 18-game lifetime advantage. 1 p.m. on Pac-12 Network. 9-2 and two Ducks versus 5-6 and six Beavers. Ducks favored by 19. Beavs need it for a bowl game. Over under 65. I like the Ducks to bounce back here. I do think they're they're talented enough to to blow out uh, Oregon State at home, um, and you know I I I just think that they are they're going to want to prove themselves, and and I like them on a bounce back week. I'll lay the nineteen. Yeah, I would take that as well, particularly at home. One p.m. It's nine and two, number sixteen Notre Dame versus four and seven Stanford on Fox. Notre Dame favored by sixteen and a half. Stanford not going bowling over under is just fifty one. Still, I'd say screw you, Stanford, for screwing up our rivalry week again. Why can't we have all team, all twelve team, teams playing? They're like you know, their cross state or in state rivalry that just pisses me off every year. But it is what it is. I don't know what you want to say about the game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I want to touch this one. Actually, I just feel like it's going to be a low energy atmosphere. I expect Notre Dame to win, but I mean, would it surprise me at all if Stanford ground them down to like a twenty-one thirteen kind of game? Maybe. Um, you know, that wouldn't shock me. Uh, in the past, you know, Notre Dame has just in recent seasons has been having their way with the Pac-12, including Stanford. Um, so, you know, I like them to win the game, but uh, God, don't make me watch this one. Big talent gap on this one. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's what we might see. I could see Notre Dame pulling away. There. I might take the other side of that. The next one, the 66 Rocky Mountain Showdown. You always forget this. This is really interesting. I don't know if any other rivalry is like this. This was played nearly every year from 1903 to 1962 and then not again for 50 years. 
Wow. Crazy. They took this huge hiatus until they both joined the Conference of Champions. Saturday, 4.30 on ABC. 5-6 and six CU needs the win for a bowl game at 10-1, and one, number, number 6 Utah. Utah favored by 28 over under is 49. Obviously, Utah needs to win. They probably need some. They might need some style points, too. Yeah, I think Utah probably is looking for style points. I don't know that that's how Whittingham wants to play this one. Um, but I do think this is this is what I'm going to be looking for. We, you know, we talked about how bad Colorado's defense was going into last week, and they had given up 30 points in every game. Well, now they're looking at two games in a row where they've held their opponents to two touchdowns or less. So what is their defense going to look like against Utah uh, of course, I expect Utah to win. Twenty-eight points is a lot. I just I don't like touching lines like that unless I really have a good feeling about it. But it wouldn't shock me at all if Colorado, you know, said, "Hey, we're going to hold you to twenty-seven and win a game or lose a game like 27-17, that type of thing." That's right. Um, and if if that's the case, then I think we need to start looking at Colorado and saying, "Hey, maybe this defense is turning around for twenty 2020. Now that said. We just talked up Tyler Huntley and how good this Utah offense has been playing, and they've been putting up 40 points like it's no problem. So if they do that again this week, then I expect that they're going to be right in contention for the CFP. I hope they make it. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if Colorado just went back to being terrible after beating us. Yeah, I think it'll, it'll, it'll be a tough one. I see Utah wanting to put up style points on this. I think Whittingham understands the stakes. Late night in the 93rd Territorial Cup, Zona with a seven-game lifetime advantage, 7 p.m. on ESPN. It's 4-7 and seven Arizona at 6-5 and five ASU. ASU favored by 13.5, over-unders 59.5. Yeah, so I think if you're a Husky fan, you're rooting for Arizona here so that the Huskies are not in direct competition with the Sundells for a bowl game. Um, that's kind of where we are at this point. Boy, that's sad. But, um, but I do like ASU in this game. I just think Arizona, it's been turmoil after turmoil. They fired a couple of of assistant coaches at this point. Khalil Tate is just looking like he's on the way out. It's just not working with someone. Someone, his buyout, I know Mitch mentioned that he, he wouldn't be surprised to see uh, someone go after this season last week, but, um, you know, someone's buyout's over $5 million. Oh, I mean, they're not going to touch it. So they just kind of have to roll with him, um, at least for another year, I would think. And I think the Devils just, they have ground teams down and played them tough. And I think they will take care of business against their rivals in this game. Next one, 7.30 late night game. Uh, not even a real rivalry, so screw you, Notre Dame, for screwing this up. But the last week, it's Cal 6-5 and five going bowling at 4-7 and seven UCLA, not going bowling on FS1. Bruins favored by 2.5 at open. Now it's down to just 1, but they're still favored. And we don't even know if DTR is going to play, and Chase Garbers will play. Yeah, I don't. I think we were thinking these teams would both be playing very bowl this week at five and six, and it turns out Cal got it done and UCLA didn't. Um, but I, I think my pick is Cal. I think that they, um, I think they have the defense to, to play with UCLA, and I just don't see anything on defense for UCLA that even matters. I mean, I just, I think that uh, you know Cal's going to commit to running the ball in this game, and they'll be able to do it against the Bruins. So give give me the Bears and. Uh, the University of California Regents will just be, uh, you know, drinking white wine in celebration. Oh, they're, they're just going to enjoy that Chablis. Look, uh, you know, Bruins, I think, even with DTR, you got yourselves a game. He's hobbled at best. He's out, potentially. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Guys, so rivalry week again. Dog fans, look, it's we can't deny it. it's been a tough season. It's been a hard season. It's been lower than what our expectations were as a fan base. But let's get out on Friday, Apple Cup. Put these cougs back in their place. Let's get loud. Just end it on top. Just try to get out of here with one more win. Just get it all fired up for one more day together. And then, you know, everyone's going to go their separate ways. Everyone's going to go their separate ways. But, you know, just try it again next year. 
That's right, dog fans. Let's get it done. Go dogs. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Washington State University. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Oregon and Stanford. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Is Arizona State a football team? Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep.